0: This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence.
1: And welcome to Paranormal, guys. I'm Chris. And I'm Chad. And we're back for episode four. Ooh, a new hope that this show will be better.
0: This is the one where we uh, blow up the Death Star. Oh, I like the Death Star. You yeah. take you take death out of the name of it, it's kind of, you know, fun. Star. <laughs> Star.
1: Well, mm-hmm. that is interesting, Chad. Uh, Thank you. I don't think the Rebels thought it was fun. Rebels I don't work. think if you took the word death out of it, I think they still thought it you know was blowing up planets. Yeah, well, they ruin everything. Rebels, rebel yeah, scum, rebels, rebel scum. <laughs> so anyway, not much has happened in a uh, couple weeks uh, we've had off with me, Chad. But I under I know you had quite the weekend.
0: I did. I actually Saturday I made it to the Ohio Bigfoot Conference at the Salt Fork Lodge in Salt Fork Park in Ohio, and uh, the place is pretty awesome. So, yeah, I got to, <laughs> got to meet a bunch of great people. There was some really cool stuff there. Lots of uh, speakers. But uh, some of the highlights were uh, Jeff Byers with Creature Replica. That's Creature Replica. And the R-E in Creature is the R-E in Replica. So you put it all together as one word. Uh, dot com. Catchy. It is. Uh, Jeff Byers is one of the gentlemen that started the company. Uh, they've got some really cool stuff. They did a show exclusive, a silverback Bigfoot. Ooh. They did 500 pieces for the show. And uh, when I talked to him, they'd almost sold out already. Um, but um, we definitely have a link in our, under
1: our uh, cool yeah, stuff. If, yeah, if you go to com and go to cool stuff, mm-hmm. there is a link and a couple pictures of... Uh, some of the action figures.
0: And I actually did an interview with Jeff, a little video. We're going to upload that on the site so you can take a look at it. Uh, they've got some really cool secret figures in the works that are going to be coming out or announced to come out soon.
1: There better be a Chupacabra in the plans.
0: <laughs> well, there probably will be the, uh, gentleman that sculpts the figures on the, uh, he, uh, is really into cryptids. So we'll find out. We may even get to talk to him soon. I don't know. He might be one of our first guests. All right. Sounds mm-hmm. good. It is. Now, the other highlight was uh, Bobcat Goldthwait was there. And uh, the reason Bobcat was there, for anybody that remembers him from the Police Academy movies or Shakes <laughs> the Clown or I think Hot to Trot, might want to forget that one. Uh, he made a film called Willow Creek, and it's about uh, two characters, Kelly and Jim. Kelly is played by Alexi Gilmore, and Jim is played by Bryce Johnson. Uh, they go out camping and ultimately... They find out if Bigfoot is real or not. Not to give anything away, I recommend you watch that movie. But I spent quite a bit of time talking with uh, Alexi, Bryce, and Bobcat. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. They're great people. And I I suggest you go check the movie out. Uh, Of course, you can download it. I believe it might still be on Netflix. And of course, you can buy it on Blu-ray and DVD. Now, I'll tell you the highlight of the conference for me was getting to meet Bob Gimlin. And for those of you who don't know who Bob Gimlin is... <laughs> Bob Gimlin? Of Bob Patterson Gimlin, Gimlin footage? That's right. <gasps> you know, the uh, basically what we all see is what we base what Bigfoot should look like off of the Patterson Gimlin film. Uh, I got to meet Bob Gimlin. They had done a special edition cast of Patty, which is what they call the Bigfoot creature they filmed. Uh, the special edition had an inset-like button that had a image of Bob and the logo for the... Bigfoot conference on it, and I was lucky enough to get him to sign that, get some pictures with him. Uh, it was pretty awesome. It was a great weekend. It was very exciting. Got to meet a lot of great people, see a lot of great um, presenters, and uh, there were some really awesome things in the vendor room. Uh, I think I brought a couple things back for Chris. I hope he enjoys them. That's all right. Coffee mug. I'll be enjoying that mm-hmm. with that morning coffee. Oh, and it's a uh, 3D sculpt. It so is. It's textured. You can rub... Bigfoot's big butt I can Big thumb I can pet Bigfoot While Those I drink coffee Baloney sandwich fingers You have. You <laughs> can just really Grip that cup And fits just right Well
1: that sounds Pretty cool Chad uh, Sounds like you had fun And got to meet Some cool people And everything So uh I did So that's all the Exciting weekend news With me
0: But you know The show's always Got a little news To share with everybody else What kind of news Do you have Chris Well I'm glad
1: you asked Because I do have A couple of stories here First one an amazing 2,500-year-old electrical device was found at Gunung Padang. Sorry with pronunciations. Words are hard. An
0: electronic device at Gunung Padang, you say? Gunung Padang.
1: Gunung Padang. <laughs> A famous geologist has hit the headlines with an amazing discovery. We are talking about Dr. Danny Hilmanada Widjaja. Wow. Okay. A somewhat controversial researcher that is working on the megalithic suite of Gunung Padang in Indonesia. Dr. Danny Hillman is responsible for the archaeological team conducting research on the site, and they have recently announced a discovery of an oddly shaped metal device that is presumed to be the world's od- oldest electronic device. According to researchers, the object is made out of gold and copper and seems to resemble a primitive electrical capacitor. According to some researchers, this newly found device seems very similar in structure to the biblical, biblical descriptions of the Ark of the Covenant. Carbon dating confirms the device to be 2,500 years older than the Ark of the Covenant, however. <sighs> Dr. Danny Hillman also proposed that ganung Padang region is a perfect play, match for Plato's Atlantis. The discovery of electrical device at the place that I said earlier is getting a lot of attention even president oh wow really even president susilo bambang did not make that up yudahoy ono of indonesia visited the site congratulating the researchers on their discovery and declaring that he has great interest in the results of the research according to archaeologists the subsurface layers at Gunung Pedang might be more than twelve thousand years old, and the news of an electrical device being discovered points toward the possibility that ancient man had already mastered electricity thousands of years ago. Dun dun dun. I know something you didn't master.
0: Reading that story. Oh my. Did you actually look over it before you decided we'd record
1: it? I did, but it's one of those where you read it and you think, okay. And then once you actually get to where you're gonna say it out loud, no. Wow. Your your mouth doesn't move that way. Uh, I understand. So,
0: yeah. so basically, they found a ancient Nazi melter.
1: The, yeah, they didn't exactly say what the electrical device does, mm-hmm. but other than it looks like it may have been a capacitor.
0: Did it have a little dolphin on it?
1: With, no, it did oh. not have a dolphin. Oh, okay. Or angels, <laughs> or beavers, or rabbits, or... Or just a thumb. Not a thumb, no. None of that. Not but any. I don't know. Here's the thing with that is, if it's a capacitor... What are you going to do with the capacitor by itself? Until they find the rest of the gear, eh. It's just a hunk of golden copper.
0: Who knows? might have been for an ancient weapon. Uh, It could have been for maybe a lighting system that they had invented. (laughs) Or maybe... Stage lighting. Maybe it helped them not to dim their headlights when they played their subwoofer really loud off the amp. It could. Ancient subwoofers. (laughs) Maybe like a 15-inch sub. 15, yeah. Yeah.
1: You got to rock the bass. Boom, boom, boom. That's amazing Chad. Thanks. It
0: is. That's that's my impression. That's my impression of some sort of ancient,
1: almost prehistoric. <laughs> <laughs> Pre- prehistoric bass. Prehistoric bass system. Because <laughs> bass sounded different because the air was thinner. It, it,
0: I thought the oxygen was richer though. Wouldn't you have a little more? Uh, Like, well, basically the subwoofer should be bigger because of the richer oxygen content. Sure. Well, anyway, after listening to I don't know, uh, science boy. (laughs) Thank you. Anyway, after listening to you read that story, I think this story that I have might actually could help you. Okay. Sounds like this might be a therapy that you want to take part in. Because scientists believe that a combination of therapies could stimulate regeneration in the brains of dead people what brain dead people and they've won approval from health watchdogs on this an indian specialist dr Humanshu bansal okay was how i got that
1: yeah working
0: great. with biotech companies revitalife sciences and bioquark incorporated and he's not on deep space nine <laughs> has been granted ethical permission to recruit 20 patients who have been declared clinically dead from a traumatic brain injury to test whether parts of their central nervous system can be brought back to life. I already don't like the sound of this. Scientists will use a combination of therapies which include injecting the brain with stem cells in a cocktail of peptides, as well as deploying lasers and nerve stimulation techniques. Lasers. Which have been shown to bring patients out of comas. The trial participants will have been certified dead and only kept alive through life support. They will be monitored for several months using brain imaging equipment to look for signs of regeneration, particularly in the upper upper, upper spinal cord, the lowest region of the brainstem which controls independent breathing and heartbeat. The team believes that the brainstem cells may be able to erase their history and restart life again. Based on their surrounding tissue, a process seen in the animal kingdom and creatures like salamanders who can grow entire limbs after they've been lost. Dr. Ira Pastor, the CEO of BioQuark Incorporated, said this represents the first trial of its kind and another step towards the eventual reversal of death in our lifetime. We just received approval for our first 20 subjects and we hope to start recruiting patients immediately from the first site. We are working with the hospital now to identify families where there may be a religious or medical barrier to organ donation. To undertake such a complex initiative, we are combining biological regenerative medicine tools with other existing medical devices typically used for stimulation of the central nervous system in patients with other severe disorders of consciousness. We hope to see results within the first two to three months. The patients will be monitored using MRI scans for several months. The Reanima project has just received approval in India, and the team plans to start recruiting patients immediately. The first stage named First in Human Neuroregeneration and Neuroreanimation wow. will be a non-randomized <laughs> single group proof of concept and will take place at the Anupam Hospital in Rudrapur uh, Uttarakhand, India. And tight. is being led by Dr. Humanshu Mansal of Revital Life Sciences. Dr. Bansal said he had already had some success with two patients in the Gulf and Europe. We have even offered the same protocol to a couple of brain-dead subjects in Gulf and, and Europe. Added Dr. Bansal, they are still in minimal conscious state, but who knows what they what may come out and have reasonable conscious, useful human life. We are now trying to create a definitive study in 20 subjects and prove that the brain death reversal, or I'm sorry, prove that brain death is reversible. This will open the door for future research and especially for people who lose their dear ones suddenly. The peptides will be administered into the spinal cord daily via a pump with the stem cells given biweekly over the course of a six-week period, Dr. Pastor added. It is a long-term vision of ours that a full recovery in such patients is a possibility, although that is not the focus of this first study, but it is a bridge to that eventuality. Brainstem death is when a person no longer has any brainstem functions and has permanently lost the potential for consciousness and the capacity to breathe. A person is confirmed as being brain dead when their brainstem function is permanently lost. However, although brain dead humans are technically no longer alive, their bodies can often still circulate blood, digest food, excrete waste, balance hormones, grow sexually mature, heal wounds, spike a fever, ingestate, and deliver a baby. Hmm. However, although brain-dead humans are technically no longer alive, their bodies can often still do the things that you just said a second ago. I'm just repeating that to make sure you understood what I said. Oh. Recent studies have also suggested that some electrical activity <laughs> and blood flow continues after brain cell death, just not enough to allow for the whole body to function. And while human beings lack substantial regenerative capabilities in the central nervous system, many non-human species, such as amphibians and certain fish... And of course, mutants like the X-Men can repair, regenerate, and remodel substantial portions of their brain and brainstem even after critical life-threatening trauma. Through our study, we will gain unique insights into the state of human brain death, which will have important connections to future therapeutic development for other severe disorders of consciousness, such as coma, and the vegetative and minimally conscious states, which you're pretty familiar with those, aren't you, Chris? What? As well as a range of degenerative CNS conditions, including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, added doctor Sergey Pelane founder president and chief sciences officer of bioquark incorporated commenting on the trial dr dean burnett a neuroscientist at the cardiff university center for medical education said while there have been numerous demonstrations in recent years that the human brain and nervous system may not be as fixed and irreparable as the tip as we typically assumed the idea that the brain death could be easily reversed seems very far-fetched given our current abilities and understanding of neuroscience saving individual parts might be helpful but it's a long way from resurrecting a whole working brain in a functional and undamaged state.
1: Yeah, a long way from resurrecting a functional brain, but not too far away from causing the zombie apocalypse.
0: Well, here's my question on it. I'm not as worried about the zombie apocalypse as I am. Let's say that they get this person's brain reactivated. Will they come back as themselves or almost a whole new person? Bad soil. (laughs) <laughs> you don't want to bury them there. They don't come back the same. I'll tell you exactly where it's at and where you should go, and I'll give you a shovel. It might even help you, but you don't want to go there.
1: Yeah, I think this is one of those things they need to just not mess with. Once you're dead, you're dead. Quit trying to bring them back. Well, Accept I Accept mean, it.
0: I, I guess. I mean, if you've lost a loved one, and they have brain damage, and there's a chance to get them back, I can see why people would want to, but yeah, it's just not something
1: that happens in nature. Nope. Nor should it. Zombies. Zombies. That's what I'm afraid of. Why wouldn't you be? You know one thing I'm not afraid of, Chad? What's that, Chris? You're, you remember a couple of weeks ago, or a show or two ago, we had a story about the flying spaghetti monster. We did. I'm not afraid of him. Why would you be? He's, he's ben- delicious. He's, he's benevolent. And delicious. Well, the Pastafarians are back in the news, Chad. Are they now? They are. Because while the United States may not recognize the Flying Spaghetti Monster, apparently New Zealand does. Because the world's first Pastafarian wedding takes place in New Zealand, a Briton and a New Zealander tie the knot on a pirate ship to become the first to be married by the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Yar. Yar. Was it
0: catered by Olive Garden?
1: Almost. Nice. The world's first Pastafarian wedding has been held aboard a pirate ship in New Zealand. Pastafarians belong to the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, which the New Zealand government approved to conduct legal marriages in 2015. They're very progressive. The church, which, is founded to satirize, which was founded to satirize American religious fundamentalism, believes a god made of spaghetti and meatballs is just as likely as other gods. According to its website, its only dogma is the rejection of dogma. British man Toby Ricketts and New Zealander Mariana Finn have been together for four years. Although they never considered marrying before, when the first Pastafarian marriage celebrant was sanctioned by the New Zealand government, they decided the chance to hold a humorous and original wedding was too good to pass up. Ricketts, a voiceover artist, has been working on a documentary about religion called God Doesn't Pay Tax and was interested in alternative and emerging religions. Marriage wasn't on the agenda for us. It wasn't something we needed as we are already deeply committed to one another," he said. "But when this opportunity came along, we thought it would be fun, a fun tool to examine religion and traditions and practices which are too often taken as a given as the only way to get married."
0: Now, when they got married, did he wear a bow tie pasta and did she have a, a a spaghetti strap dress?
1: Ooh. <laughs> No, sir, oh. they're pirates. You don't wear those when you're pirates. Well, okay. <laughs> the bride and groom wore head-to-toe pirate regalia, and guests donned eye patches, pirate hats, and feathers for the ceremony, which took place over the weekend. Finn also wore a colander on her head the official of uh, the official headdress of the church. <laughs> nice. During the ceremony, Ricketts and Finn exchanged rings made of pasta, And in his vows, Ricketts promised to always add salt while boiling spaghetti. It was an extremely fun wedding, said Finn, but it was romantic, too. I felt romantic. It just wasn't solemn and serious and expensive like so many ceremonies today. A big dress and getting into debt has never appealed to me, but this did. The total cost of the wedding was 3000 New Zealand dollars or 1,460 pounds, which, what is that, Chad, 2,000 bucks? Give or take. I'm going to say sure. Okay. I don't know. Sounds somebody, good.
0: somebody should Google convert that with uh, whatever. They should. Google.
1: Math. It's <laughs> power. Uh, the couple supplied the wedding feast. Fifteen kilograms of tomatoes from their garden, vegetarian meatballs, and plenty of pasta and bread. We don't feel any different now that we are married. We have always been very happy together, said Ricketts, who was raised a Christian but left the church at 17. What has been a huge pleasure is showing people that love and commitment don't have to be delivered in a prescribed way, in a certain church, with sometimes cumbersome traditions and expectations. The couple are the first to be married by the CFSM marriage celebrant, Karen Martin, who said she has at least a dozen more weddings lined up this year. So, there you go. Pretty cool. So they dressed as pirates. Uh Uh-huh. So, does it say anything
0: about what happened after the wedding?
1: I know this is going to go somewhere. No, Chad,
0: it doesn't. Oh, really? No. I don't really know what happened after the wedding either, but I bet it was rated
1: R. Mm. R. Because they were pirates? Yeah I, yeah, I think everybody gets that. Man. Oh, okay. Unfortunately. Yay! <laughs> so, yeah, apparently uh, everybody except us, you know, the good old United States is pretty cool about religion. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> no. I think I think I almost got a
0: little overloaded with that story. Why is that? No, I'm carb-loaded with that story. Oh, okay. We need to move on. All right. So, so Chris, <laughs> tonight's going to be kind of a surprise for me. I know last show we focused on some cryptids from Kentucky, the dog
1: men that uh, we talked about. What are you going to talk about for us this evening? Well, Chad, tonight we are going to find out that there is, in fact, more than corn in Indiana. The hell you say. Oh. No, it's true. Indiana has its fair share of cryptids just like anybody else. Mm, and wow. that's what we're talking about tonight. I've picked out four from the Hoosier State. Four? Four. And that's what we're going to talk about. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, our first one, Chad, is go- is not a long one. Not very involved. But it gives you an idea of one of the odd cryptids Indiana has had. Okay. Seems in 1960... There was a weird animal seen living in a well on a farm in eastern Indiana. The farm belonged to Dan Craig of Lynn, Indiana. The Indianapolis News first wrote about Craig's strange guest on June 8th in 1960. Craig told the newspaper he had been aware of his well's unusual visitor for about a year. He described the animal as an eerie beast with a dome-shaped head, two bulbous eyes, and eight flailing tentacles as long as a man's arm. Dan Craig's wife said the animal looked like a mushroom as large as a plate with long legs and feet. Creepy mushroom at the bottom of a well. Wow. Craig decided to drain the well to find find out once and for all what kind of creature was in there. After the well had been drained, a 12-year-old friend of the family, Craig Lee, descended into the well and said that he saw something about the size of a dinner plate that looked like a yellowish sponge mushroom with eyes on top of its head and with eight legs and claws on the ends.
0: Well, anytime there's a monster in a well and you want to check it out, you send one of the children. Oh, yeah. and Definitely. Then maybe they come out blind and screaming and crazy.
1: Apparently, Dan had had enough of the creature at the bottom of his well. Instead of leaving it alone to finish out its little bottom-of-the-well life, what did he do, Chad? Fried it? No. Oh. He had his well filled in. <laughs> <laughs> with the creature nice. still at the bottom, and it was never seen again.
0: Well, I guess all's well that
1: ends well. You're very punny tonight, aren't you? Yeah, sure. I said punny, not funny. Oh. So, yeah, there, there's one. He And I, I like that it has that, we're not interested in it. We don't want to know what it is, or what it's about, or is it down there? And how do we get rid of it? So, he had a like a freshwater kraken
0: that lived in his Sounds as well. like it, yeah. And... uh They just didn't want it. No. Hmm.
1: It sounds to me like one of those good old, it's different, let's kill it. Apparently, people fall into a lot. Yeah, I think that (laughs)
0: mentality runs rampant sometimes.
1: Yeah, it does, unfortunately.
0: I think that happened to me once after I was born, but somebody stopped my mom.
1: (laughs) So that's the well monster. Well, well. Exactly. Well, it was a monster. Now, the next one, you, you may have actually heard of this one before. The Lake Manitou monster. Oh, a Manitou. No, the Lake Manitou monster. Oh, Lake Manitou. Not a Manitou. Not the Manitou. (laughs) monster in Lake Manitou. okay. Located in the town of Rochester, Lake Manitou was once considered forbidden by the Potawatomi who lived in the area. The reason for their fear was their belief that the lake was inhabited by a great monster called Meshekinabek.
0: Are they going to make a movie of that?
1: (laughs) Perhaps, why?
0: 'Cause I'm kind of hoping Danny Trejo is gonna play that part. Why? Shackin' a back. Mm.
1: In his recollection <laughs> recollections of the early settlements of the Wabash Valley, Sanford C. Cox reported that the Indians would not hunt upon its borders, nor fish in its waters for fear of incurring the anger of the evil spirit that made its home in this little woodland lake. In fact, the Native Americans would later warn settlers against building a mill on the lake, said Cox fearful that the monster would rush forth from its watery dominions and take indiscriminate vengeance on those who resided near the sacred lake. Holy crap. (laughs) Exactly. I'm amazed that the Potawatomi had such a mastery of the English language. That's pretty good. It was. Dominion and indiscriminate vengeance. Wow. I think there was a little bit of liberty taken with the uh, quote.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think they do that a lot with anime, too.
1: Perhaps the Lake Manitou Monster was an all Native American superstition, because during construction of the mentioned corn mill in 1827, several men who worked surveying the lake for the mill reported seeing the monster. They claimed the creature was dark-colored and over 30 feet long, with a long neck and a head like a horse. Was that a nine-inch nails song?
0: Probably. I think. Head like a horse. I think um, Johnny Cash should have a cover on that before he passed away. <laughs>
1: News soon spread of the Lake monster, making it difficult to find men to finish the job. The area's first blacksmith described the monster like this, the head being about three feet across the frontal bone and having something of the contour of a beef's head, but the neck tapering and having the character of the serpent. Its color was dingy with large yellow spots. Wow. (laughs) Is that all you have on that? Yeah. So,
0: is there any speculation on what (laughs) Somebody would think it is, besides it's a horse-lizard-eel thing.
1: Uh, No, not really. A lot of people, they just say, hey, it's a thing, and here's what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, Over the years, sporadic sightings of the Devil's Lake monster were reported. However, in 1849, the Logansport Journal reported that a huge buffalo carp that weighed several hundred pounds was caught in the lake. The fish's 30-pound head was exhibited at Logansport. People thought that the monster had been caught at last, but in 1888, a 116-pound spoonbill catfish was pulled from the lake by four men. The monster-sized fish was placed in a horse trough by the country courthouse in Rochester, and people were charged 10 cents for a peak. Eventually, the catfish was butchered and sold at 10 cents a pound. In recent years, reports of the Lake Manitou monster have waned. Today, when the northern Indiana winters freeze the lake over, the ice shifts and emits booming and roaring noises. Residents around the lake smile and say that it is the monster trying to force its head above the ice. Okay. So, kind of Indiana's Nessie. Uh, Exactly.
0: Ice forcing its way through, big horse head, eel body. Uh,
1: Well, at least this isn't the uh, standard old lake monster that is just a plesiosaur.
0: Now, did they they say this monster ever attacked anybody, ate any livestock?
1: No. No.
0: Drug off any kids.
1: It could be the nicest thing in the world. It could have been the thing out of the water horse. And so, all it wanted was to give kids rides on its back. But people saw what it looked like and automatically so, went, oh, and ran. So
0: this thing didn't bounce a check or, or
1: no, anything? No, no. He didn't do anything other than lived huh. in the lake and wasn't normal. Huh. Wow. Well, poor, poor guy. Let's hope. That's probably why they haven't seen him for a long time. Man. Because he's just, he's hurt. I would be. I'd be a little butthurt if people treated me like that.
0: Like, I just wanted a friend. Or I just wanted someone to hug me, but they won't, because I live in water and some people think moist things are icky. Because them
1: Potawatomi Indians said that big, long, nasty thing about me with them big words. Mm.
0: Well, let's hope that somewhere, some of its descendants, if the original's not still alive, still thrive and enjoy their time they have in that lake. (laughs)
1: Lake, okay. Since we since you said that, let's let's talk about that. Lake monsters. Mm-hmm. You have Nessie, you have Champ, you have the Lake Manitou monster. Ogopogo. Ogopogo. Bob. I think uh Jim from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, Every state has one. I think there's Larry the mud thumper. I th- every I think every body of water supposedly has some kind of monster in it. You know what I
0: keep hoping for will show up? What? Is a lake monster. A giant mud skipper. No I want a even, giant mud Even mud skipper. skippers
1: the size they are are creepy enough No those things are great <laughs> They just look at you with those eyes
0: Have you seen some of the bigger ones in the wild That actually like eat the fiddler crabs Or whatever the hell they are They like just suck at a whole crab and eat it And they're like chewing on it and smoking a cigarette Because <laughs> they're like hanging
1: out in the mud Hey I'm best, a mud skipper Best crab ever No there doesn't need to be a giant mud skipper I'd love a giant mud skipper He'd probably eat you I'd still like to see one but anyway Yes <laughs> Do you think Like Nessie Champ Ogopogo All those Is it the same creature Or is it Descendants of Different creatures Or what? Or are they Immortal if They're the same creature I mean they're, they're, they're doing pretty good Although It may be The same creature It may be like A Highlander type thing With lake monsters There can be only one Or it could just be like The
0: African clogged Toad frog I had that lived For 27 years No Highlander. Yeah. Got it when I
1: was in middle school. It just died not that long ago. No, that explains it. I've got it. It works out perfect, Chad. Uh-huh. Lake monsters are like Highlander. There can be only one, so there's only one in each lake. And the only reason they don't go kill each other is because they can't get out of the water.
0: That's that's exactly why, isn't so it? So
1: every body of water has one lake monster that can't get to the other when so there's get, like one. So the like, there's
0: one that talks <laughs> like the Kurgan... There's one that talks like Sean Connery.
1: There's one, like, it's a little known fact that the Loch Ness Monster from Scotland is actually a Spaniard. Really? Yes. <laughs> He's like, hello. How I'm, I'm a Spaniard. Well,
0: you know, if you ever need me, you just call my name and I'll be there. And I'll
1: sing this song for you. You know what, what would have made it a, The Highlander much better? What's that? Is if Sean Connery dressed like he did in that one movie. Was it Zartan? Oh, no. Or no, whatever no, it was. It was a Zartan. It was Zardoz. Zardoz. Zardoz.
0: If you're watching the trailer for that, that's (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome.
1: Uh, I'm a Spaniard.
0: Look at me. I've got a diaper. It's red. One (laughs) one day I'm going to climb to that mask in the sky and see what's up. But until then, I wear this diaper and they give me women. That's right. hoo
1: So there's my theory on like monsters. Mm.
0: They're immortal. They're like Highlander.
1: And there's only one in each lake because they've killed the other ones, but they can't get to the other ones to kill them because they'll die out of water.
0: Chris, I really think you should write this down and see about getting it published somewhere.
1: I'm thinking movie deal.
0: I think your credibility is going to go way up here.
1: Speaking of credibility. Yes, sir. We, you know, we're going to take a pause on on, on uh, Indiana Cryptids for a second. I had this idea the other day about how to greatly increase our listener base. What's that? We have to create Drama? Drama. And by drama, I mean we uh, get you kidnapped.
0: <laughs> Who's going to kidnap me?
1: Well, <laughs> I have a plan. <laughs>
0: yeah, what's that?
1: I, I, just for fun, I started following a flat earther on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And apparently it's one of those flat earthers that are kind of maybe a little bit touched in the head to the point of we might become militant at some point.
0: Are, are you judging somebody now, Chris? I, oh,
1: I am. Oh, I think we start a Twitter war between the flat earthers and the paranormal guys, <laughs> but we have you ringlead it. So they eventually kidnap you. And I believe our listener base would like go through the roof. I have
0: no interest in that at all.
1: I mean, you may not, you don't have to do much. I'll just get you kidnapped. No, I'll do all the fighting.
0: No, why don't you just not do that?
1: <laughs> what is it? The flat earthers or do you want another group?
0: No, I, I don't want anybody. I uh, mean, I've, I've just dated a couple girls that were worse than probably a flat earther is and I don't want to get back in that situation. <sighs> That's again. saying a lot. It is.
1: I mean I'm not giving away what I think about flat earth theory, but hm.
0: Huh. Yeah. What about Hollow Earth? How do you feel about that? About the same. I kinda like the Hollow Earth theory.
1: You may like it, but the
0: I mean, science doesn't support Do you know that. how awesome it would be if somewhere there might be a few leftover, Mole men? like reptile mm-hmm. Nazis that ride around on T Rexes with big swastikas hanging off of now, them? No, no, just... no. Now, wait. <laughs> if you if you have seen I'm
1: sorry, Iron Sky 2 if trailer? If you've seen the classic film Iron Sky, you know that there are no Nazis in a hollow Earth. They're on the dark side of the moon. No, they would not. With move their, their space Earth.
0: blimps. No, no. Have, have you seen Iron Sky 2 trailer? Not no. yet.
1: I mean, the trailer, yes.
0: Yeah, well, where are they at? Hollow Earth. That's a movie. Get to it through Antarctica. It's a movie.
1: No. No, you can't get to Antarctica because uh, the governments have said no because Antarctica is the edge of the flat Earth, Chad. I knew that. I hate you. You know, the moon's fake, too. It's got like a holographic projection (sighs) over it. Yep. And the sun is only 30 miles away and it's a spotlight. I mean, it could be. Have you seen some of those tactical flashlights? Have, have, Have.
0: All right, hey! Before you yell at me, Uh, I think there might be another cryptid in Indiana. Yeah, because before we get too far, then people are going to want to sleep. We
1: we do need to read the cryptid because Earth stuff just makes me angry. They're going
0: to (laughs) turn us off, and that's going to be it. Paranormal guys is done. I don't
1: know. It might be kind of interesting to hear me go on a like berserker tirade. I
0: think single normal guy podcast won't be as catchy. So (laughs) (laughs) I
1: think you need to go on solo normal guy, solo normal guy. Well, Chad. Well, Chris. This kind of ties in, I hate you, to uh, the weekend you just had. Yeah. It seems in west central Indiana, in the town of Rochdale, is a ghostly Bigfoot-type creature that has made itself known after several nighttime UFO sightings.
0: The hell you say.
1: Exactly. The Roachdale monster, as he goes by. You know they check in, but they don't check out. <laughs> was first reported in the Rochdale area. <laughs> Uh, by a Mrs. Lou Rogers in August of 1972. She stepped outside her house one evening when she was startled by a noise, somewhat like a growl, which was followed by a boo or an oo, gur boo. <laughs> Turning around, Mrs. Rogers looked into the direction of the sound, but due to the darkness, could see nothing. She did have a feeling, however, that something was watching her, and she quickly retreated back into the house. So the Indiana Bigfoot just kind of makes a little growl noise and then goes, boo, boo, and hides. <laughs> and then you run away. That's right. <clears throat> the following evenings, the strange sounds returned follow- followed by some banging on doors and windows. Lou Rogers commented that whatever it was, it must have gotten braver because the noise got louder and louder each night. It would always come around 10 to 11.30 each night and you could feel it coming. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, and then the knocking would start. He growls and says boo, but he hides. He gets a little braver, Then the next night he's peeking in your windows, knocking on stuff.
0: You know, I had a friend in high school who had an uncle like that. Was his name Tom? <laughs> I, I don't know his name was Tom, but <laughs> I think he actually had to go spend a couple of nights in the
1: in the old uh, Mean County Sheriff Hotel. When the Rogerses would go outside, they would sometimes catch a glimpse of a large, broad-shouldered "'Something running away through the cornfields.' "'Mrs. Rogers commented, "'We tried to think of a rational explanation. "'Maybe an ape had gotten away from a zoo or a circus. "'Or silver-spray-painted monkeys. "'Possibly.' "'Call back. (laughs) "'It would stand up like a man, "'but would run on all fours, "'even bent over on all four feet. "'It was still taller than my husband, "'and it stank like rotten garbage.' "'Mrs. Rogers continued, "'The funny thing is that it never left footprints.' even in mud. And when it ran through tall weeds, you couldn't hear anything. And sometimes when you looked at it, it looked like you could see through it, like it was a ghost or something. Ooh. Exactly. Now, there, 1970s, it kind of had a run. August of 1979, a Martin County, uh, Indiana 19-year-old had an early morning encounter with the unusual visitor to his neck of the woods. Keith, an employee of the Martin County Highway Department, was heading to work around 6.30 a.m. His commute was a 15-mile drive along the narrow county lanes that wind through the wooded hill country to Shoals, Indiana. According to the October 7, 1979 edition of the Vincennes Sun commercial, Keith had just topped a gentle rise in the road a short distance from his trailer home when he saw a strange creature cross the road some 200 feet in front of him. The creature appeared to be half man and half beast, not unlike the legendary Squatch. Wow! Then, 1981, there was a sighting around White River. They actually took prints of this one, Chad. Oh, did they? So there are actual. What did the prints look like? They looked like a normal old Bigfoot cast. Hmm. Huh. So right there, you have Indiana's Bigfoot. Wow. Now when when I was reading it though, I mean there there are a few creatures that could be a Bigfoot in Indiana. There's the Roachdale creature, I believe there was the Mill Creek creature that seemed like a mm-hmm. kind of a lizard lizardy Bigfoot. They said he was green and slimy and had what looked to be scales instead of fur.
0: So he was more like a lizard man.
1: Yeah, but he acted like a Bigfoot. Kinda Big, Bigfooted lizard man hid in the woods and actually attacked a car. Things like that.
0: Hmm. That's pretty interesting. That's right. Indiana's Bigfoot. Wow. You know, it's funny. Over the weekend, while we were talking to a Bigfoot investigator, I was just kind of throwing it out there between me and the investigator and a friend of mine. I was like, you know, I wonder if Bigfoot have ghosts. Like, if a Bigfoot dies, Hmm. does it have a ghost? In some of these sightings where they think Bigfoot can
1: teleport or become invisible... It's a Bigfoot ghost. What if it's a Bigfoot ghost, they see? Well, it would depend on if the Bigfoot had unfinished business.
0: It didn't have to be unfinished. or it could have <laughs> just died untimely and not really had anything it needed to do. It just didn't know it was dead.
1: Maybe Bigfoot is like a Jedi. No. So that when people in the woods, like hunters and stuff, actually take shots at him, mm-hmm. they actually do hit him, and he dies, but then disappears. Hmm. And then the ones that they say are like, oh, he just disappeared into nothing, and I couldn't find-. That was his force ghost.
0: Once again, I think you should write all this down and look into getting it published.
1: <laughs> the ramblings of Chris. Mm-hmm.
0: Chris's blood sugar got really low on this particular story, <laughs> so he he just told us
1: whatever he felt. I be. I could be that crazy old guy that lives in a cabin in the woods... You walk past and I start yelling things at you, like, Ah, there was a Bigfoot! He he disappeared! Because Yoda! You know what's really funny is the only thing you're
0: missing right now is the cabin. That is true. I do have woods around me. Mm -hmm. And you are pretty crazy. And you're getting old. And you do like Yoda.
1: I I think someone's older than me at this table.
0: (laughs) Not me. Went through that quark regeneration. Oh, did you? Yeah, they sent out a cream. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, it's in. A, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's you, topical now.
0: If you buy their nose cream, they send you the other stuff like for free, but it's only like a two ounce trial <laughs> nose cream. Yeah, it's like a nose cream. I get shiny nose.
1: So, a two so, ounce trial. So, does that bring mm-hmm. you all the way back, or does it just <laughs> no? Gives it just, you a little taste. It just it's
0: a little taste to get you hooked. <laughs> you have to use it every three months, or your hair falls out.
1: <laughs> if you want to really come back to life, you got to start the monthly subscription.
0: If you want to feel good and have those regular movements in the morning. You have to get the big tube.
1: I thought you just had to get some Miralax and mix it with wine.
0: No, that only happened once. That was a mistake.
1: But that is one of those stories that, I that till my dying day, I will remember. It's a medical anomaly. <laughs> Maybe one of these days we'll tell that story on Paranormal Guys. No, I don't think that's really necessary. Oh, I do. Oh. But, Chad. Yes, sir. Uh, one thing I noticed when I was doing the research for the cryptids of Indiana. Yes. Indiana does have... It's share of normal cryptids, you know, it's got the the Roachdale monsters, like a Bigfoot. It's got Manitou lake monster, which is your normal lake monster. Mm-hmm. Has a few things like that. But, one thing I noticed about Indiana that I had not noticed about other places with lots of cryptids, there's a gr- good majority of Indiana's cryptids that just seem to be unnaturally large animals. Really? Yeah, like... I didn't know that Indiana was known for its unnaturally large snakes.
0: I was not aware.
1: Uh, there's lots of stories about them. That the main one that I thought was interesting was, apparently there's a cemetery somewhere in Indiana that has a 30-foot-long snake that has horns and red eyes and chases people away from the cemetery, and it lives on the dead bodies in the cemetery. Hmm. Cemetery snake. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: It's like the Guardian.
0: Sounds like something Rob Rob Zombie. Would <laughs> wrote a song about that. Well, he would animate it.
1: <laughs> cemetery snake. Devil-headed cemetery snake. <laughs> Dragula. Living dead snake. Living dead snake. Let's see. Another one. Uh, what was another one? Oh, uh, it's another large snake was this 10-foot long rattlesnake. Really? You know, to me, a cryptid, I have a certain category for what is a cryptid to me. Mm-hmm. Just a large animal that normally exists, it just happens to be bigger than normal. Yeah. To me is not a cryptid. Didn't they have an old
0: um like clothing factory over here, BJ Trousers? Didn't wasn't there something about <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have a feeling you're going somewhere but you're digging hard. No, I'll just i leave <laughs> it. BJ, Trouser. no, yeah. no, B- B-J trousers. No, no, now the world BJ trousers
0: factory over here. I thought they had a giant cryptid snake that did they? Yeah. Somebody found it one day. <laughs> one of the workers there, affectionately called Zipper. But anyway,
1: Chad. Yes. <laughs> you digress. <laughs> I'll just leave that. But there is one a naturally large kind of normal animal in Indiana that I did want to talk about because I have a feeling that they're not getting the whole story. Oh yeah. Turns out that we are the home of Oscar, the beast of Busco. The beast of Busco? Yes. The Beast of Busco. Wow. Now, you may ask, what is the Beast of Busco, Chad?
0: I certainly do. Hold on a second. What is the Beast of Busco?
1: In the Whitley County town of Churubusco, the lake monster is a giant turtle. All right. The story of Oscar, as the turtle would be later known, starts in 1898 in a seven-acre lake east of town. The owner of the lake, Oscar Folk first spotted the turtle when it unexpectedly surfaced in front of him, just a few yards from shore. The turtle was huge. Folk estimated the animal had to be at least five feet wide with a big, ugly head like a snapping turtle. Oscar the turtle would remain unseen for almost 50 years, when in 1947 it would once again be sighted, capturing the attention of the national media. By then the lake was called Folk's Lake and was about a 100 yards behind the plowed fields and small white farmhouse owned by the Gail Harris family. Helen Harris would later write about her family's encounters with the Beast of Busco and the unwanted attention they received. Her brother Charles and her husband estimated that the turtle was as big as a large dining room table and could weigh as much as 400 pounds. Several attempts, Chad, were made to find Oscar. They uh, drained the the lake, or pond, I guess. It's not really a lake. (laughs) but could never find him. They even sent a diver in that couldn't find it because they said he kept getting buried about to the waste in the slime and mud that was at the bottom of the pond. Hmm. But then they just finally gave up because everything seemed to fail when they tried to find Oscar. We're pretty, now, we're pretty sure I know why they couldn't find him. Now, hang on. Okay. You may ask why, why if I don't consider large animals a cryptid, Why I wanted to talk about just a big turtle in the pond. Sure. And I said earlier that I thought they were missing part of the story. Mm -hmm. Well, what I think they're missing is, it wasn't any old turtle. That was the summer home for someone special. That's right.
0: Better stop that before we get sued. I have 30 seconds. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I was just about to say the reason they couldn't find him was every 4th of July he flew away.
1: Because he had uh, sparklers he's on his sparklers legs and in spun. His le- sparklers in his leg holes. That's and right. I, I think that Oscar is actually Gamera. I'm not going to argue with you on that. And, once again, I think you should write this down. And the only reason they saw him every once in a while, he's busy. He was out filming mo- movies. And that was where he went when he wasn't filming You know, for the summer. That's where he had peace and relaxation out in the country. Let me tell you something. <laughs> oh, no. Let me tell you something. Yes, yeah. You don't go out and try
0: to bother a giant turtle. No. Because that giant turtle is the only thing between us and space monsters.
1: Exactly. You know how many space monsters he saved us from? It, I don't know. All of them, I, I guess. I mean, he's a friend of the children. And why wouldn't he be? Even Even so, have you ever messed with a snapping turtle that's a foot across, much less the size of a dinner table? I haven't, but I've seen
0: enough... They're not people, nice. People of the country try to pick them up and put people them in the back of, of their... People of the country. Yes.
1: What, what, what's that?
0: People who live in the country.
1: All right. Kentucky boy.
0: Mm-hmm. People try to pick them up, throw them in the back of their truck so they can go home murder them for a can of soup. Well, at
1: least when we see one along the road and throw it in the back of the truck to take it home, we're wearing shoes. Oh. I, I have shoes on. Kentucky boy. Oh. Well, okay. If you say so. <laughs> no, we joke. If you, if you don't know... I, I'm from Indiana, Chad is from Kentucky, and there's a long rivalry between
0: us. That's just because Indiana people won't let things go. We I just mean, like to hold on to things instead of our cousins.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> sure like that Thunder Over Louisville we put on each year.
1: Uh, no, I don't.
0: Well, you enjoy it. No, I don't. Your kids do. No, we sure did, they, they
1: didn't go this year. Oh. Oh. <laughs> No, you know the best thing about Thunder over Louisville and the Kentucky Derby? What's that? The Sunday after it's all over. When it's done? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you guys took away our clock.
1: Oh, yeah, because you guys have to use wristwatches now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, when
0: you close down that Colgate factory, that has <laughs> a giant neon clock that, for some reason, faces the city across the river and not the city it's based in.
1: <laughs> look what time it is, Kentucky. Hey, look here. Time to die. No. <laughs> <laughs> so... There's your uh, there's your list of four cryptids from Indiana.
0: Nice. I enjoyed those. I like the fact that Indiana has strange cryptids and giant animals.
1: They do. And I don't know what would make Indiana home of unnaturally large animals, but
0: hey. I don't know either. Maybe it's just, I don't know, Bobby Knight?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Chad, hey, we we got an email from a listener. Oh, yeah? We did.
0: He said this is it. I'm done. Yeah,
1: he, he said, "Wow, you guys. <laughs> you guys should die. Just stop." Yeah. <laughs> no, he actually said he really enjoys the show. Uh, Michael from Clinton in Tennessee. Oh, hi Michael. I like Tennessee. Said he really likes the show? I know. He's a good listener and he's going to pass it on to everybody he knows.
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: like us on Facebook. Hope yeah.
0: he writes it down on random locations and buildings and spray no. Spray paint it well, on he, he doesn't underpasses. To, he doesn't have to deface any property, but, but for some reason we're not, seems saying, to a, we're
1: not saying don't deface property. Yeah, I'm we're not, telling not saying you to, to deface property.
0: I'm not trying to tell you to, to go with any moral compass that you perceive that I am putting what, out there.
1: Do what you feel
0: is right. I can't tell you which way to go, left or right. You make the decision.
1: <laughs> but yeah we uh, always like to hear from uh, listeners and Michael thank you for sending in the good word about how you like the show
0: yeah thanks Michael and you know what I would wish we could get some uh you know what I really like stinky weed please <laughs> no <laughs> no I'd really like for some listeners to send us their stories
1: Chad does love stories we
0: get some stories from some people get enough of them together you know we might have a whole episode of just listener stories you could
1: write those down into a book Chad
0: that's true but Just as long as we don't have your ideas in there. My ideas are awesome ideas. I know they are.
1: Uh, one day we'll have to do a show about my theories on how people are going completely wrong ways about catching cryptids and finding them and what they are. Mm-hmm. I have theories on a lot of them.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do you want to go on any of those
1: now? Or? No, no. These are for their own special show. Oh, wow. You record that one alone? Or? The the one that we decide that we don't want people to listen to after is the one <laughs>
0: It's Chad's funeral show uh, it's an exclusive for 499. you can write in and get a CD copy. We won't let you download
1: it. It's for an extra 999 we'll include the video. Oh, there won't be much going on in the video. I'll just be laying there. Well <laughs> but if you do have an interesting story, I would like to uh, send that in for Chad's approval. Yay. <laughs> you can do that by emailing us at pongpodcast.com at gmail.com. I always do that. It's mm-hmm. pongpodcast at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Or an even easier way would be go to paronormalguys.com. P A I R O Normalguys.com. That is our uh website where you can find uh links to our email you can find links to news sites that we like you can find a link to creature replica that's true like chad mentioned earlier in the show
0: it's very awesome you should check it out if you like uh, cryptids and you like to have some set around your desk maybe you'd like to have them fight each other i don't
1: know you can always listen to the show there uh, other places you can listen to the show are itunes stitcher TuneIn. Google Play Music, and any number of the pod aggregate sites. Aggregate. Nice. That's right. Big word. The Pottawatomie taught me that.
0: (laughs) They use that a lot when they used to listen to podcasts. Mm, Aggregate. Aggregate.
1: But that is your one-stop shop for all Paranormal Guys activities. And hope you visit the site, listen to the show, like us on Facebook, share us around, get the numbers up so we can do bigger and greater things. That's true. And as always, the music for normal Guys is from Eye of the Storm by William Blanchard. You can find his music at SoundClick.com. Once again, Chad. Yes. It's the end of the show. You know what that means. Tell me you're going to make fun of my earphones. Oh, I didn't do that this show. No,
0: you didn't make fun of my earphones.
1: Hey, if you guys are like me and think Chad's earphones suck, and I'm going to take a picture and put them on our Instagram... Great, and would like to help him out. There is also a little link on our website to donate. Donations, right? Yeah, you can donate a penny. You can donate, you know, your uh, le- recent lottery winnings. Liver. We we are an equal opportunity money taker. Nice. And if you'd like to buy Chad a new pair of headphones, by all means, go right ahead because they're not good. Mm. Thanks, Chris. But no, what what it always means is our tagline, Chad. <laughs> That's, would would you like to say the tagline this time no <laughs> you, you know you've coined it it's
0: beautiful it's a chris caffrey uh saying that i mean if i said it, it's just stupid it's like i'm just doing a bad impression that is true yeah go ahead
1: all right thanks for listening everybody yeah thank you and have a paranormal weeks you know you like them mm-hmm.